assembly required. Anybody ever bought something and it says assembly required? That means they're not just going to ship it to you pre-made, all put together. That means that you're going to have to put some investment in it, right? There's some assembling or putting together that needs to take place. And uh, so here in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1, we uh, see the Israelites. Uh, Moses has just brought the Israelites out of Egypt. They've just crossed the Red Sea. And uh, how many of you know they're in a wilderness, but that wasn't the destination, Right. There was a promised land. Is that correct? There was a promised land that they're trying to get to. And uh, but in the meantime, uh, God's wanting to show them some things. God's wanting to do some things. And, uh, you know, these Israelites have been broken off. They've been separated uh, in, in essence from from God, even though they knew who their God was and they would still worship and honor their God as much as they could in slavery and in bondage. It's a little difficult to do. And so here they are in the wilderness. God's just set them free. He's just done some uh, awesome miracles for them. And then here in verse one, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering. How rude that God would break a bunch of slaves out of Egypt and then demand an offering. Ask them for an offering. But notice, you know, and just to cover the the offering base here real quick, you know, offering is not just a mandate of the church. You you recognize that we can go all the way back to Genesis chapter four and we can find offerings being brought. There were no offering envelopes. There was no pastor that said, we're going to take it up for this and we're going to give it to this. They just knew this is our God. This is our Lord. And we whatever we have, we want to give back because the reason we have it is because of him in the first place. And you really understand uh, uh, when you start getting lordship mentality, when you start recognizing Jesus as Lord, Lord literally means owner. We don't really have a term or a word for this uh, any longer, uh, but Lord back in the Bible days meant you own me and everything that I have belongs to you already. So in essence, guys, when you're bringing your tithe and your offering Uh, I've changed even my lingo. I don't say I take up a tithe or take up an offering because I'm not taking anything. I've never taken. I've never come by and snatched an offering out of somebody's hand and said, I'm taking that. No, you bring it. I'll receive it as the pastor and as the church will receive it. But when you recognize that he's Lord and he owns it all anyways, you actually begin to discover I'm actually just returning it back to the king. It was his. He placed it in my possession. But now I'm going to return back to what it already belongs to him. I can't give something to God that already belongs to him. If I let Chris borrow my truck for a week and then he comes back and says, hey, man, Pastor Mar, I got something awesome for you. I want to give you this black Nissan Titan. Man, this is a sharp truck. You should try it out. No, you can't give it to me because it belongs to me. You are simply returning what already belongs. I own it. I just put it in your possession, in your care, to see how you would steward it and take care of it. But now you return it back to me. And so in essence, that's what God's really saying here. But listen to this offering that he takes up. Listen to this. Speak to the children of Israel. They may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly. So they had to give it willingly. Again, God isn't just coming and by and snatching stuff out of their hands. You give it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. I just want you to go ahead and before people start shutting me down, I'm not talking about money today. 
Just go ahead and put that out there. But look what the offerings going towards. And this, the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil uh, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary. Let them make me a sanctuary. Now, all that stuff might not mean anything to us. We probably started tuning stuff out after gold, silver, and bronze. Acacia wood and ram's hair dyed red and and scarlet threads. That might not mean. But in essence, God is saying, bring me the best of the best. He's saying, I don't want the leftovers. I don't want the stuff that you can scrounge up at the bottom of the pile. I want the the stuff right off the top. Why? Because you're making me... A sanctuary. You're making me a sanctuary. God gave me this word last year. Uh, we kind of ministered along these lines. I like to take the month of August uh, for our church. It just the Lord has just led me this way in the last several years, where I just kind of reignite the vision and reignite the purpose of our church. Why we're here, what we're doing, what you're doing to get to be a part. How many of you know we got to be reminded of that? Even as the pastor of this church, I've got to be reminded of why I'm here. I can tend to forget. I can tend to lose touch and lose sight and lose vision of where I'm going. And all of us have this, uh, 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 you know, remembrance issue that we've got to keep in front of us. Jesus would say multiple times, I want to remind you. He even said the Holy Spirit would come and he would remind you of things that I've been telling you. And then Peter and Paul, they would write in their scriptures. They would write in their letters to the churches and they would say, I'm writing to remind you or I want to keep you in remembrance of. It's good to remember some things, right? It's good. That's why the Lord said, forget not all my benefits. There's some remembering. And so I just like to take this season, this this month. It just kind of falls that we just kind of center around what are we doing? Why are we doing it? I believe that those are questions we've always got to constantly be asking ourselves. You've got to ask this in your in your own lives. Why am I where I'm at? What am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? We, we, how am I doing it? These are questions that we've got to keep in front of us. And so I want to help answer that question. And I'm starting here because God is interested in something. I believe that God sees his church differently than we see the church. And, and we've got to be very careful. As a pastor, this is one thing I've got to guard uh, above all else is allowing the culture of the world to influence what God has already established the church ought to be doing. Are you hearing me? If we're not careful, we'll go the way of the world rather than the way that God wants us to go. Now, that doesn't mean that every little thing that we bring into church, if it has any worldly influence or any worldly factor to it, that it's automatically worldly. That's not what that means at all. But what's my motivation? What's my intention? Is my motivation to fill seats? Is my motivation to, to get people? Is my motive? But you notice here that we're building a sanctuary not for people. And this was the word that God gave me last year when we went through this. He said, you don't build a church for people. You build a church for God and people come. We build a church for God. Guys, what we've got to understand is everything that we do every weekend as, as, as 
regimented and as formatted as it may be, is designed for one intention, for God. What we do in this place. Now, I see a lot of new faces, and that's okay, because you're just going to get, you're, you're going to be able to jump right in on where we're at as a church and what God is doing here in Valdosta through Anchor Faith Church. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see new faces. I'm excited to see growth. I'm excited because that means we're advancing. That means that we're growing. But I want to say this. We're not here for you. We're here for God. We're here to build him a sanctuary. And we're going to bring the best of the best. Notice that all these elements, and we go on for several chapters here. Several chapters. 23, or uh, uh, 25, 26, 27, 28. I mean, he's just going on outlining how we are to build what was in the wilderness called a tabernacle. And the tabernacle is what we find out in Exodus chapter 40. Actually had a purpose. They weren't just building a tent. We can't just go down to Gander Mountain and duplicate what, you know, they're trying to do out here in the wilderness. It's much more than that. In Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, it says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. Meeting. We're building a sanctuary for God so that people can meet him. That's my intention every time we come together is can we create an environment where people can meet God where they can not just another experience not just a few worship songs a good message if you came to hear me I'm sorry I'm going to let you down I, I, I don't I can't give you what you need without the Holy Spirit without the direction of the Father The only reason why I do what I do is so that you can come face to face with your king and with your Lord and with your creator. That's why we do what we do. Now, this is every element. This is every element. You just saw that there are multiple elements brought into the picture here. You could go over uh, jumping ahead to where the temple was built in 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and 2 Chronicles chapter 3, uh, we see a king named Solomon. He was the son of King David. We know that King David uh, was the anointed king, killed Goliath, became uh, king over Israel, over God's people. But God told him, your, your hands have shed too much blood. You cannot build my temple in Jerusalem. Your son's going to do it. So Solomon shows up. And over in 2 Chronicles, he gets wisdom from the Lord and he starts building the temple for who? For God, not for the people, not for himself. He built it for God. His motivation, his intention was, I want God to come and inhabit us. I want to create a place that God will meet us. Amen. You go over to Second Chronicles chapter uh, 5, and we find out that God surely did show up. Second Chronicles chapter 5. I'm just laying some groundwork here because I want you all to see something. Second Chronicles chapter five and verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. That's just the worship team. That's all there is. That's all that is. They're worshiping the Lord. They're singing praises to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Notice it says one sound, not a bunch of different sounds. There's got to be some unity in the house. There's got to be some togetherness. 
Got to be some unity. Praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of who? Of the Lord. Why? Because he's the one that's living there. It's his house. It was built for him. The house of the Lord was filled with the clouds so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. We already see here in the Old Testament two instances where we have a tabernacle set up in the middle of a wilderness. Built for the Lord, a sanctuary where he could come and meet his people. Now we have a temple that's built by King Solomon. Built for the Lord. Built for God himself. So that the people can meet with God. So that God can meet. You know that he desires to inhabit this place. You know that he he desires to meet with you. He desires to be one-on-one with you. He wants to show up in your life. He wants to show up in your life. It's dangerous when we want God to show up in our life, but we don't want to show up to church. Because it is the meeting place. It's the meeting place. The question isn't, is God showing up? It's, are we showing up? Did we build a house for him to inhabit? Did we build a house, or did we build a house that man liked? And it had everything that man wanted, and the service was just as short as they, as they would like, and, and they played just the right songs, and they had just the right amount of, of ministries for my, my family and for my children and, and, and for what I'm doing. And are, are, are we coming in here saying, God, I want to meet with you? Building a church for man can be dangerous. How many of you have noticed that the, the trends lately, we've become more, more fickle than ever? And, and, and the trends seem to revolve even more quicker than ever before. How in the world are you supposed to keep up with that? No, I want to build a place for God. I want to build a place for my father. And just as he did with Moses, he's still asking for the best today. Now, this, this tabernacle in the wilderness... It had to be assembled. It had to be put together. And what would happen is, is when the glory of the Lord began to move, they'd have to tear it all down. And they'd have to pick it up and move it. And then when the glory of the Lord stopped, that's where they would build the temple or they would build the tabernacle, set it all back up. I mean, they had a whole, I mean, we could have brought a, a, a tent. I could have had Chase come in here with one of his tents and just show us how to assemble and, and take apart a tent. And this was a much bigger deal than any tent you can find down the street. I mean, you go and you, you read all the details and all the, 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 the fine print, so to speak, of how this thing, and you can't miss a beat. God gives specific instructions. We jump over to the temple. That had to be assembled. And Solomon couldn't just jump in there and assemble it however he wanted. God gave him clear instructions of how to put this thing together. Assembly required. God will inhabit a place. The glory fills the place where we become assembled. 
all fitted together, all jointed together. Is this starting to sound familiar? Is this starting to sound like the body of Christ coming together? There's got to be some assembly taking place. There's got to be some putting together, some fitting together that's got to take place. And what we bring to the table is our best. It's not half. It's not not minuscule. It's not uh, my job gets all of me through the week and then whatever I have left over, I bring to church. No, we give God everything we have. Everything. Hebrews. Well, let me go to Matthew first. Matthew chapter 16. We've got to be assembled together. There's got to be a connection with one another. No, he's not building a temple made of brick and stone and gold and silver. He's not building a temple of rams, hair and fine linens and scarlet threads. But Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is speaking and he says this. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I, I, Jesus, will build my church. Jesus is building the church. Jesus is building the church. The church is the body that God now inhabits in the earth. He's not inhabiting a tabernacle out in the wilderness any longer. He's not inhabiting some temple over in the Middle East somewhere. He is inhabiting us, his church. His, there's only one church. There's only one church that Jesus is coming back for. There's only one church that honors him. There's only one church that glorifies him and lifts him up. There's only one church. That he's building. And he says, I, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth. He's showing us that if we will assemble properly, we can fulfill the purpose for which he wants us to do. But there's an assembling. There's an assembling. And Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this. I'm sure many of you have seen this passage before, but Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Hebrews 10 verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The assembling of ourselves together. The assembling, the assembling The putting together, the jointedness, the fitting together. He says, we are not to forsake. Yes, we did it one way uh, with Moses and then we did another way with the kings and Solomon. But now I am showing you that I am assembling. I'm assembling my people together to be fitted and joined together. Why? So that I can come and inhabit them so I can come and meet with them. See. Any area you serve in, any capacity that you're involved here in this church, you should walk through these doors and say, I'm not here. Remember what I said a couple of weeks ago before I left? I dropped that little bomb that said, uh, you know, if you want to be an influence for the kingdom of God, if you want to advance the kingdom of God, stop going to church. Remember that? Stop going to church. And start being the church. Start being in the church. Why? Because if we just have this mentality, I'm going to church, I'm going to church, then, then along with that is I'm leaving the church. I'm leaving the church. 
But see, this isn't an event. God never designed this to simply be an event that we do. He never meant it to be something that's on our calendar. He never meant for it to just be something that just fills time on a Sunday morning. He meant it for much more than that. It's the coming together of the body of Christ, making an influence and an impact on the world around them. But the coming together, the assembling is required. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As is the manner of some. That means regardless of what's going on around you, you stay to my plan. You stay to my purpose. There will be those that fall away. There will be those, and we're seeing it today, that that church is something you can watch online, something you can watch on TV. And that's not church. You can receive a good word that way. I receive words that way. There's people that I watch. There's people I'll tune into. There's people that I'll listen to. But church is the assembling of ourselves together. The assembling of ourselves together. Now, that takes work. That takes work. You got to work at it. It's not always easy work, is it, James? It's not always easy. But it takes work. I mean, when, when that cloud started to shift, you know, I could start, you know, after a while, I could just see some of those Israelites like, oh, no, stop, no. I just set it up. I just put this thing together, man. It's moving already. Where are you? Stop. Come, no, just another day. Give me another. Why? Because God is always moving. God, he's not staying in one place. God isn't staying in one place. And it, isn't it just as we get comfortable? Isn't it just as we uh, start to feel a little comfortable with each other? God says, all right, now I need you, need you to do a little more. I need you to press in a little further. I need you to press in. A, why? Because our influence is limited when we stand still. Our influence is limited when we become comfortable. The church wasn't meant to be comfortable. It wasn't meant to be comfortable with what kind of songs you like. It wasn't meant to be comfortable with someone took my chair this morning. It wasn't meant to be comfortable with there's no room in the parking space. No parking space. No, no room in the parking lot anymore. It's not meant to be comfortable. It's about the influence we're making. It's about the impact we're having on those around us. He says, don't forsake. Don't forsake. Watch what happens here. Go back to Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40. I want this to be at whatever area. Don't ever say, well, I just changed diapers. No, I am creating an environment where people can meet God. I don't play guitar. I'm creating an environment where people can meet God. I don't greet at the doors. I'm creating an environment. Every piece. Somebody's got to be uh, the lampstand. And somebody's got to be the ark. And somebody's got to be the fine linen. And somebody's got to be the gold. And, and when we put all this together, when we join it all, when we fix it all together, great things happen. Finishing there in Exodus 40, verse 34, then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to, ent able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When we don't join together, 
when we don't fit together in our assignments and in our roles and, and where God wants us placed, where God wants us to be, when we forsake the assembling of ourselves, it compromises the glory of God. It compromises the glory of God. It comp- there's a difference when there's a house that is a meeting place for God where God can fill the house and one that is just uh, there for show and there for entertainment and therefore making people feel comfortable and, and all those different things. Those are not our intentions. We desire you to feel welcome and we hope that you have felt welcome this morning. We desire you uh, to, to experience uh, the love of God in this place. But at the end of the day, our heart's desire is that you do not walk back out that door without meeting God. And there's things that we can do that can create an environment conducive for that. It helps if the words are on the screen. Trust me, when I was a young kid, I grew up, there were no words on the screen. There was no screen. There was no screen. And they introduced a new song and it took you four weeks just to learn it. Now I can tell you, hey, we're learning this new song. You can go find it on iTunes. You can listen to it and already know it before you even walk in here. There's things that we can do to help create an environment conducive for the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you right now, the Holy Spirit was been, has been moving in churches long before we had screens. And long before we had words. And, 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 and if you didn't know the words, you just made them up or you prayed in tongues. That's what I did. Just make a noise, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There were no screens, there were no slideshows, there was no, you know, cool effects and, you know, all, all, there's no coffee at the tabernacle. Some of us, if we don't go next door first and get a cup, we ain't getting nothing over here. I'm one of them. That's my stop on the way here. But we got to recognize that doesn't make church. Those are things that we offer because there are physical needs. There are things that we want to be able to attend to. There are ways that we want to be able to minister minister to you naturally. But at the end of the day, if that's all we give you, we've done nothing. We've given you a cup of coffee. And I want the Holy Spirit in this place. I want his glory in this place. I want his presence in this place. What good is it if we have church and God doesn't come? What good is it if we all come here and the Holy Spirit's outside? What good is it if we come here and we arrive and we just have a good old time and we feel like we got something, but at the end of the day, God was never even introduced. He was never even welcomed. When I pray in here and more than prayer, what I pray is, Holy Spirit, have your way. You reign today. You reign, not my agenda, not my ideas, not my comfort zone, not, not the, what I've got on an outline. If I need to come up here and scratch all this and he's got something else he wants to do, we'll do it. Because we can stick to my agenda and y'all can leave and feel like you got something. Or we can go with what the Holy Spirit wants to do and you'll really have a real impact in your life. But now what happens as we begin to become a part of this assembly is that you get to be a part of the process. God wants you to be a part of the process. 
He wants us to be a part of the process. We've said this before, that we are participators, not spectators. We are contributors, not consumers. And when we come in here and say, God, I know you've got something for me today, but what do you have for me to give to someone else? How can I be a blessing? How can I serve? How can I use my hands? How can I use my voice? How can I? Maybe it's just a hug. Maybe it's a handshake. Maybe it's taking care of some children. Maybe it's, it's helping with the production. Maybe it's worshiping on stage. Whatever it is, how can I be a part of the process? I don't want to be on the outside looking in. I want to be a part of the move of God. I don't want to just see what God can do for me. I want to see what God can do through me. We should come in here every weekend. God, what can you do through me? What can you do through me? He's using people all over this place. He's using the people so much bigger than what I do. I mean, I've said from day one in this church that, you know, most people, when you come to this church for the first time, before I even get up here and take the microphone, you've already decided if you're coming back or not. You've already decided if this is the place you want to be. I haven't even gotten to talk to you yet. I'm the pastor of the church. But a greeter or an usher or maybe a children's worker or maybe somebody else in the congregation has already helped you determine, man, this is an awesome place. Or this place stinks. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even think I'm going to stick around for the pastor. That's the responsibility we all have. We all have that responsibility. We all have the responsibility of assembling together, working together. I don't have this in there, uh, Pastor Caleb, but Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I told you all a few weeks ago, it's okay to bring your Bibles to church. I promise I'll make you use them. I will not make you bring your Bible for no reason. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter Look at this in verse 11. And he himself. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Those are gifts. When it says he gave, he's talking about Jesus. If Jesus gave you a gift, wouldn't you want it? I'd want it. You got something for me? Great. He's got a gift for you. He's got pastors. He's got apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. Why? For the equipping. And we talked about that beginning of this year. The equipping. The equipping of the saints. Equipping is not education. Equipping is not what you know. Equipping is what you do. I can, you can physically and verbally tell me how to drive a vehicle, but until I've actually driven the vehicle, I'm not equipped to get behind a vehicle. And I don't get a license. They don't give you a driver's license because you said, oh, yeah, someone talked to me about that one time. Or I watch my dad do it all the time. They're going to say, okay, great. Get behind the wheel. Prove it. And they're going to give you a road test. They're going to give you a driving test, a driving exam. They're going to make sure that you not only know something about it, but you can actually fulfill the duties and the responsibilities. That's equipping. And that's what this church is interested in. I don't want to hear people talk faith. I want to see people apply faith. I don't want to hear people talk about walking in love with their spouses. I want to see the strongest, greatest marriages in all about us in this place right here. I don't want to just hear about it. I want to see people that are doing it and applying it. 
Because those that hear only and do not do, uh, James tells us, not this James, but James in the Bible, he says, you are, you are deceived. Deception sets in. But no, he says that these fivefold gifts, these ministers, are given for the equipping of the saints for the work. Assembling takes work. It takes work. And hopefully you're not trying to assemble something from Ikea because they don't even give you words. It's just pictures. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. But the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, that means the strengthening or the encouraging, the building up. Anybody coming here need to be built up today? I know I did. We need to be built up sometimes. And it says that when we assemble together, when we come together, we can be edified. We can be strengthened. I say it all the time. You ought to leave stronger than the way you came in. We should leave encouraged, not discouraged. Amen. Equipping the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith. Boy, that's a work. That's a work in progress. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. A perfect man. That means mature. Doesn't mean you're never going to blow it. It means you're mature. Maturity is when you don't have to have someone else tell you how to do it anymore. That's maturity. When you, you reach maturation, you reach maturity. When I don't have to look over your shoulder and say, uh, but you start doing it. You start applying it. Maturity is not, well, man, I just I need to get to need to get a church on Sunday so I can talk to pastor and have this problem. Not that pastors can't do that. But the greater testimony is that you become equipped so you can come on Sunday and say, man, I had this problem this week. But, man, I prayed about it. I, I had this issue. But I, I did what you said to do in church on Sunday. And it showed up in your life. And I get to hear the testimony of it. That's a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God, God would not tell us to become this if we couldn't. He wouldn't tell us to do something. But hey, don't, you can't achieve it. Just try. He says you need to be a perfect man. Mature. The measure and the stature of the fullness. The fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, grow up, turn to your neighbor and say, grow up, may grow up. It's in the Bible. Don't take it personal. May grow up into all things, into him who is the head Christ. He's the head. We are the body. He's the head. We are the body. The body is the one that carries out the functions of the head. We've said this before. The head can will. The head can want. The head can desire. But until the body carries out what the head wants, 
Your head can want to eat all day long, but until your body gets up and walks into the kitchen and makes the sandwich and begins to eat it, will you actually feel the results? No, your head has the desire to will and to want, but it's the body that carries out the function. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. 16. There we go. From whom? The whole body. Here it is. Joined and knit together by what every muscle supplies. Is that what that says? By what every bone supplies. No. It says every joint I mean, it doesn't matter. Did Travis escape already? Travis got out. Travis, you guys know Travis. He's a big, muscly guy that sits back here. And if you get out of line, he'll take care of you. That's all right. But those muscles do no good if they're not jointed. I love how he says, by what every joint supplies, because that identifies I have to be connected to something else. I am not great on my own. I cannot fulfill the purpose on my own. I have to be connected. I have to be joined. There has to be a, a connection. And that's what this place is doing. When we come in here, we join together, one mind, one accord. The Holy Spirit showed up in Acts chapter 2 because those apostles, those disciples, those people that Jesus said, go and tarry and wait for the promise of the Father, they were in one mind and in one accord. They weren't arguing. There wasn't divisiveness. There wasn't animosity. They weren't having issues with one another. They said, we are of one mind and one accord, and the glory of the Lord filled that place. What every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. We saw the tabernacle. We saw the temple. Now we know that you and I, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? You and I are the temples. And when we come together, every part brings something to the table. Every part. Every person I see walk through that door, I ask, what is the potential? Because there's potential. You know, potential is untapped, right? You can't see it. It's invisible. Potential is not what you have yet done. It's what you have yet to become. It's what you have yet to do. You haven't even seen it yet. And every time I see people walk through that door, I say, what's the potential? What's their potential? As a pastor, I feel such a burning desire, such a burning passion to draw potential out of people. What is it that you haven't even recognized about yourself yet? What is it that the Holy Spirit's placed inside of you that we haven't even tapped into? We haven't even drawn on yet, but it's there. God wants to pull on it. God wants to use you for his plan and for his purpose. But when we get in this place, the effective working with every part does its share, causes growth of the body. I hear pastors all the time running all over the place, learning how to grow a church. And we have the answer right here. We have the answer. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. 
When the church is working right, when the church is purposeful, when the church is in alignment with God's will and God's plan, it will edify itself. You will no longer need the outside. You will no longer leave the world's approval and the world's mandate and the world's determination of what you're doing. No, it says you will edify yourself. You won't need to go to your boss for edification. You won't need a, 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 a different paycheck. You won't need a promotion. You won't need a different car or a different house. You won't need to get on a different side of the, the neighborhood or a different side of the county, you will, re, uh, you will understand I'm edified at church. I'm edified in the life of believers in the house of God. I met God today. I met God today. I met God. This is the meeting place. This is the meeting place. And I make no apologies about it. I tell you very clearly, we're not building this place for man. Not building this house for man. Building this house for God. He's building this house. Paul calls us co-laborers with Christ. He's the cornerstone. He's what we build upon. And we are here to build a place. We are here to work with Jesus, alongside Jesus, with the intent and the purpose of creating an environment. It's not about buildings. One day, we won't be in this building anymore. One day, we might be in a different building, and then another day might be in a different building. It's not the location, the physical address. You realize this isn't a church. This could be anything. This is a box. It's not a church just because we put a sign on the front. It's a church because you showed up. It's a church because you are the church. I remember, uh, you know, I've had people tell me, uh, you know, I just I try not to cuss at church. Well, I don't I don't smoke at church. I, I do that when I get home. You are the church. You are church property. Come on, somebody get with me. You are the church property. You are the church. You are the church. It doesn't matter what you do on these grounds. It doesn't matter what you do inside this building. It doesn't matter uh, what you do in the parking lot. Don't drive off of this campus and drive away and think, okay, now. No, you are the church. If you wouldn't do it here, you wouldn't do it there. Because I won't do it here. I cut it off here. Because I am the temple. I am the temple. I am the vessel. We're assembled together. And that's why songs like we sang today, Here I am, on my knees, I surrender, I give myself away. That's what this is about, guys. I promise you, if you come to this church, you'll get something. You'll receive something. You need to have your expectation up. You need to have your anticipation going. I mean, we've said before, don't wait for for Chase to strum the guitar and Robert to, to lead us in the first song. You should already be in an attitude of worship pulling into this place. You should be pulling on these gentlemen so hard that they have to keep going. They have to keep singing. They can't come off. Because you are the church. The church came to 2314 U.S. Highway 84. You are the church. And when we assemble together, the glory of God comes into place. We see that, 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 that glory was visible. 
couldn't even minister. anybody else want the glory of God? I want the glory of God. It happens when we assemble together. It happens when we get the pieces. All of us. Not just the leftovers. He dealt with that over the book of Malachi. It's not good. That's the book that closed out the Old Testament and God shut his mouth for 400 years. Didn't say another word. His last words were, you've been bringing me leftovers. You've been bringing me the sick stuff. You've been bringing me the blind stuff. You've been bringing me the lame stuff. Am I not, didn't I not create it? Did I not give it to you? This is all you have to get back to me? No, we come in here and we say, I'm giving all. A hundred percent. I will not give the world more than I give to God. I will not give my job more than I give to God. We're passionate about the call. We're passionate about the assignment. We're passionate about the church. We are the people of God. We are the change this world needs to see. Does our nation need change? Does our city need change? Do our schools need change? We are the change. We don't need to pray for it. We are. We just need to be mobilized. We need to be equipped. We need to come in here passionate and encouraged and encouraging one another. God do what only God can do. I've said it before. We will do what we can do. And we will do what only we can do. You realize there's some things God can't do. He won't do your part. And you can't do His. I'm I'm done with the days of the church sitting back waiting for God to do it all. I'm sitting waiting saying, God, what is it you would have me to do? so that you can use me to do what only you can do. Amen.